0: Hello, and welcome to mini episode 312 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have one spooky story for you today, and our story comes from October the 12th, 2023. And today's story comes from Andrew. When I look back at my life growing up, I can pinpoint certain moments where these strange events that took place in my childhood led to my current experiences now. Much of my family exists because of illegitimate children born to poor but powerful women who had sons named Andrea. And, in fact, the only way my last name exists is because of the last Andrea born in Sicily was able to carry the name across the ocean in the 1930s to the US. As I tell this story, I realise that it is actually two stories that are interwoven together. When I was born, my mother was young and very much in touch with her spiritual self. She frequently had strange or paranormal experiences that were often positive. Things like seeing or feeling a past relative near, or items going missing and reappearing. Her sensitivity to other things was strong, and also existed beyond just spirits and feelings. At a young age she learned how to read the Italian version of tarot and honed her skill very well, to the point that she could do blind readings to people in coffee shops, both in the United States and in Italy. When I was born, my mother was 22. She had been living in the United States and decided to attend a grad school program in Siena. At the time, she was dating an American, and they tried to make the relationship work. But Italy in 1994 wasn't as modern as it is today, and their relationship fizzled out. My mother soon discovered that she was pregnant with me and decided, like the other women of her family from the past with illegitimate children, to name me Andrea. Though for a large part of my life, it was believed that I was the son of the American who my mother later married, I was actually the son of somebody else, a Sicilian Air Force pilot, though this wasn't discovered till many years later when I was an adult. When I was born, my mother and I had an incredible bond. She spoke to me in both English and Italian and we were truly inseparable. One day while my mother was cleaning the house, I had crawled away and while unattended, went into her purse and grabbed her tarot cards. My mother realised I was gone and saw me consuming her tarot cards, gnawing at the corners of her cards. She immediately snapped them away Soon after, my mother began reading tarot again and struggled immensely and was no longer able to give accurate readings. She had suddenly lost her ability to read the cards and ultimately gave up completely, forgetting how to read them altogether. The first instance I remember was when I was 10 years old and I had visited Pennsylvania, where some family was from on my grandmother's side. One of the afternoons we took a trip out to Valley Forge, which is an historic park made famous by the Revolutionary War. Though there were many triumphs, there were a lot of lives lost, and the land is certainly reflective of that. The place at the time was deserted and was incredibly ominous. We drove through and stopped at a beautifully preserved house. The house was three stories with gorgeous white columns, and off the right side was a small grass-covered dirt mound about seven feet tall, that had a door and a half-circle-shaped window above the door. We stopped the car and my grandmother got out of the car to explore. She told me it was a spring house, which was used to keep fruits, veggies and meats cool and preserved. My cousin followed, but something in me changed. And something told me, No, do not leave this car. As my grandmother described, it was the first time she had ever seen me become hysterical at something. I was a very reserved, quiet, well-mannered kid, who was always open to exploring, but something told me to stay. This was the first time I felt a sense of coldness and dread, a feeling that would follow me throughout my life. I had tears streaming down my face. I began begging my grandmother and her niece to please leave to get in the car and go. They laughed at first, then grew concerned and got in the car and left. As the sun set that summer night, I remained uneasy and sick with dread until we left Valley Forge. Once the car left the park, I was suddenly okay again. That feeling of dread would only happen every so often when growing up. It mostly happened when I entered certain buildings or parks. And looking back now, perhaps it was just a certain sensitivity to residual energy left over from yesteryear. The first time I saw it was in a dream. I was struggling in high school with grades as well as my own identity. The dream came to me one night. I was standing in a grassy field in a forest. It was dusk and the light everywhere was golden. There in the forefront under a canopy of lush green trees was an old graveyard with a few old headstones, at least two to three hundred years old, overgrown and decrepit. Beyond that was a river, that had breached and flowed over the small graveyard, just about six inches or so. Past the river was incredibly tall reeds that led to green hills. I recall the scene, and taking it in as a tranquil dream, until I blinked, and there, floating above the river, I saw it. It floated in a tall black cloak a white, androgynous, wasted face and eyes that stared right back at me despite being as black as a I could hear the sound of the small creek flowing, and despite the figure not physically saying anything, I could sense that it wanted something from me. I had that dream for the next six years. After I graduated high school, I moved to Los Angeles, I attended college and began my career and quickly climbed the corporate ladder at a very young age. I was young, recently out as gay and felt like I was on top of the world. I was able to secure remote employment and opted to take the rest of my classes online and back home in the Bay Area to save some money. I was a whole new person. One night I went out and met friends in another town that required me to take a country road. It was late when I was returning home but the long road leading to the mountain pass was empty. My car, which was a brand new Volvo, had automatic high beams, which meant that if a car was oncoming, they would click off to my standard headlights. As I was driving about 60 miles per hour with my car on cruise control, suddenly my auto brights clicked off and my radar detection started to ping and slow the car down. I took control of the car and turned the cruise control off. ...and manually turned the bright beams back on. There on the straightway, on the single-lane highway, was a tall, dark shadow. I slowed my car down, believing it was a large animal, but as I approached, I could see my lights were illuminating under it and around it. It was tall, black, and cloaked. My high beams illuminating all around what it was, while at the same time, every hair on my body stood up straight. I knew what it was. It was the cloaked figure with the wasted face. For the next year I would witness the creature, or whatever it was, getting closer and closer to my house. Always at night when driving home I would witness it on the freeway, then eventually the freeway exit, then the road to my house until one night it stood in the driveway across the street from my parents' home. I would be filled with anxiety, dread, sadness, tears and coldness whenever I saw it, and it began to take a toll on my mental health. One night my mother came home late and I was at the table having a glass of wine and she ran in. Her face was white and she said she had sensed something in the house across the street and sworn she had seen something dark. That night, over wine, we confided in each other over the things that we saw and the strange things we would feel at the time. She told me she saw something tall and dark with a wasted face and I responded with, Ah, you see it too. At the time I was 21 and living at home, working locally. I was in a transition period. A co-worker of mine who I had grown close with had confided in me without knowledge of my sensitivity to places and my cloaked friend, that her mother was sensitive to the paranormal and occasionally had visions. She even helped locate a missing person once. I reluctantly agreed to meet her mother one day. I had told no prior information to what I was experiencing, as I kept that information and my sensitivity extremely private. We sat down at a beautiful sunny park under a tree. We went through a few introductory questions where I was from, how old I am, how I knew her daughter. And when she was done, she grabbed my hands and said, Do not be afraid, but there is something behind you. It is tall and cloaked with a dark face and it does not have good intentions. I sat there dumbfounded, as I had only told my mother about it and what it had looked like. And here was a woman who I had never met who was able to describe in detail what it looked like and what its intentions were. She told me that the best way to protect myself was to scream at it, to take control of the situation and tell it that I was the only person in power that it could no longer control me. That night I came home and did just that. I screamed at midnight on my parents street for it to stay where it was. That I was better, stronger, and had a light that can outcast whatever dark energy it wanted to inflict upon me. After that, I felt that there was a time of reprise. Things seemed lighter, though it might have just been mind over matter. A few months later, I moved in with my boyfriend into our current house in a beautiful little area of the Silicon Valley, and life seemed to move on. It never followed me. And my dark nightmares and sightings completely went away. Even when my parents divorced and sold their house, it never showed up. And for six years I was at peace. My life changed significantly after I moved to a lovely area filled with positivity and light. My career took off even more and my relationship with my partner was stronger than ever. Yes, there were ups and downs, I had personal battles, COVID and shifts and changes in my personal life, but it was gone. Or so I thought. In November of 2022, I drove down to my friend's house on a month-long combined work-holiday trip. My office was in Southern California, and I was living in the Bay Area in Northern California, My trip took place during the month of November, which in the United States is when the Thanksgiving takes place. So I opted to mix business on the front end and my holiday on the back end. I elected to stay at my friend's house while driving down as a midway point to break up the drive. After arriving at her house, I drove down into town to a small speakeasy that I knew. The speakeasy is gorgeous, decked out in wood panelling and is a complete step back in time to 1920s prohibition era i've been a few times and knew a few of the bartenders which made for a much friendlier environment when i arrived i was able to park right in front of the hidden door in the back alley i walked up and stood in line right as i arrived a rather strange looking person arrived and stood next to me she was dressed all in black and was rather slender with long black hair Their overall look was slightly androgynous and their voice had this strange sound to it that I couldn't pinpoint. Being the social person I am we started to talk and she told me it was her first time at the speakeasy and I assured her she would love it. We were greeted by the host who took us into the hallway with a revolving door. He took our phones and locked them in pouches and we walked through the hidden bookcase into the bar. We both sat next to each other but the conversation stopped. I spoke to my friend who ran the bar and ordered my drink. I sat in peace, enjoying the vibes of the speakeasy, the golden light, talking to a few patrons and the atmosphere. After I finished my first drink and ordered a second, I got up from the bar, smiled at the strange woman in black next to me and I used the restroom. I came back and my friend at the bar gave me my drink. I spoke to the woman next to me a bit more and drank a few sips of my drink. I typically drink rather slowly, would have a relatively high tolerance. However, 20 to 30 minutes later and halfway through my drink, the room became a bit dizzy. I paid my tab, got my phone unlocked and left. I got into my car and then started to drive. And then I blacked out. I was able to drive from the bar to my friend's house and make it past the two security gates on their property. I came into the house and collapsed onto the floor, violently vomiting. My friend took me to bed and watched me the remainder of the night. As I came to the next morning, I started to recall small moments of the night. I was able to recollect arriving at the bar with the woman, speaking to my friend who ran the bar, the couple next to me at the bar. I could recall leaving and then black. My friend and I spoke more, I was adamant I didn't overdrink, so much that I pulled my credit card receipt and was able to see that i had only spent enough to cover two drinks and a tip. As the day went on, jokes about my hangover shifted to genuine concern, as the possibility that perhaps I was drugged. Conversations about being roofied took place and it began to sound more and more like something that happened despite how wild it sounded. I sat at dinner that night with friends and realised that I could recall every face I had a conversation with. Except the woman I walked in with. The tall, cloaked, androgynous woman. I could not recall her face and I still cannot to this day. A few days later I drove to LA and continued working prior to my vacation. I was able to recuperate and put whatever thing had happened to me behind me for the most part. Eventually, I flew out to take my holiday, which was in a small beach town in southern Mexico along the coast. The town is a gorgeous remote place, where many gay men visit in the Oxican area, but is still relatively unknown. I had a fantastic time. The first few days, I even made a few friends. One friend in particular I grew close to. He was my age, but French-Canadian however was quick to explain that he was Sicilian through his mother. He and I quickly bonded as we both held dual citizenship, spoke Italian and discovered our mother's villages in Sicily were very close. That night we talked again on the beach as the sun set and he said, Do you ever feel a little more spiritual to things? I shifted in the sand and he continued, Like being a gay son to your mother makes you feel a little sensitive to things, right? I stood there and agreed, but was rather reluctant. He said, Let me show you this. There is this thing that follows me and it wants to hurt me. I once again shifted my posture in the sand and looked at his phone that he presented to me. There, on his phone screen, was a picture of a cloaked woman at a party with a wasted face a woman that looks as if she is a phantom. He showed me a whole album he had with more pictures of this androgynous cloaked woman with a wasted face in buildings, in cars and crowds. I told my new friend about what had happened to me in the speakeasy just a week earlier as well as what had been stalking me in my dreams and my family's former home. We spoke in depth about what we believed it was and went back and forth over ideas from where it came from and if it was something we just possibly imagined and manifested ourselves. We agreed while laughing that it must be some sort of Italian witch, though we really had no idea. After a week we said goodbye and I returned back to Southern California to grab my car and drive back to the Bay Area. While driving Highway 101, I thought about it and my recent run-in at the speakeasy. I tried to understand why, after so many years, it showed up at a speakeasy and presented itself. I wondered why it would roofie me like it did. I became weary and scared of the cloaked woman and the powers that it held. If it could potentially roofie me, what other powers could it have? My brain began to wander more, and my sceptic side came out wondering if, again, I had just manifested something from a nightmare and now had validation for it. I tried to put it behind me and looked out at the ocean and the road ahead of me as I passed through north of Santa Barbara. I suddenly began to feel a sort of cold feeling and the hairs on the back of my neck began to stand up. I adjusted my posture in my seat and briefly caught a glimpse of my rearview mirror and there in the back seat was the cloaked woman. For a split second she was there staring with her wasted grey face looking right at me and then she was gone. I was so startled I swerved my car and went into the lane next to me. I played some music to calm my nerves hoping it would bring my heart rate down and reminded myself that she couldn't hurt me. A few miles ahead, I pulled off into a gas station to step out of the car and collect myself. I parked my car at a pump and walked around to retrieve the gas novel, walking along the driver's side and passenger side doors to the trunk area and I stopped in my tracks. My car had been sitting outside for the last week, in a very dirty parking lot while I was gone and had been covered in a thick sticky layer of dust and grime. When I retrieved the car that morning, I inspected it, and there were clearly no marks on the car. Somehow between driving from the parking lot to the gas station, which was my first stop, something had made an imprint in the dust on the car of a hand dragging across the car, starting at the driver's window and ending on my back window. I could clearly see the finger marks of something as if it clawed its hands on my car. I knew in that moment that it had left a mark on my car and this was her way of showing me that she was around. I quickly pumped the gas and left and drove home. The next few months, it made many appearances, the first being in January of 2023. After successfully dodging Covid for three years, I finally came down with it. However, the night I started to feel sick, I pulled into the driveway at night after grabbing groceries and swore I saw it. And suddenly the next morning I was sick. A month later in February, I was standing outside under an awning on a rainy night at the local dive bar with a friend. When suddenly a drunk driver drove into the parklet, I was standing next to destroying the seating area. I ran to help the driver and managed to snap a picture of the accident in case she drove off before I could reach her. I made it to the car, grabbed their keys and pulled them out of the car. A police officer arrived and handled the rest of the scene. I arrived home later and went to bed. When I woke the next morning, I went to show my partner the picture I had taken of the accident when I paused. There in the front seat wasn't the small woman that I had helped but rather the opposite. It was the tall, cloaked, androgynous-looking woman with the wasted face. I froze in horror. A few months later in the summer, I went to a late-night taco truck pop-up in San Jose. It was amazing. The food, the music, and my friends were great. It was later at night, around 11.30, and the weather was still incredibly hot. We were sitting on my friend's tailgate when we heard the roar of an engine and a car accelerated going at least 60 to 75 miles per hour through one stoplight and then 75 to 85 through the second. As the car made the second light, I heard a loud pop as the car collided with another car, hitting it with such force that the car it collided with flew back 100 feet. I ran to help once again. I know, these things just always happen to me and I don't know why. While one friend helped the drunk driver who was speeding, I went to help the other driver. They were in very bad shape, and the doors were not able to be opened. I had to smash in the back window to get into the car to stabilise the driver and check his vitals. I stayed with him until the fire truck and the police arrived. As I walked away from the scene, I snapped a few pictures, and there, once again, in the back seat of the car that was hit was the shadow of the cloaked, wasted face and androgynous thing. It was back. Despite all of these encounters with It, there has been one encounter that was positive, that I often think about. In 2019, I travelled back to Sicily for two reasons, the first being to renew my Italian passport, and the second, which was to meet my biological father and his family for the first time. In the fall of 2018, when I was 23, I had accidentally discovered that my dad who raised me was not my biological father. It was a difficult few months, and eventually my mother and I were able to track down and have communication with my biological father. He invited us to see his town in southern Sicily, which was perfect, as my mother and I were already going to be at our house in my mother's town in northern Sicily, We left to go to my biological father's town, and from the moment we arrived, we were ostracised. The family refused to meet with me, and my biological father never showed up. I was made to feel like a complete fool. I had gone with very low expectations, and had spent many summers in Sicily, and know how private Sicilian culture can be, but my heart was broken. We went back to my mother's town, and spent the next few days at our house. Her town sits on a cliff overlooking the Tyrrhenian Sea. All of my mother's friends, who are like my aunties, showered me with love, Aperol spritzes, pasta and cigarettes. They reminded me that family can really be whatever you make of it. On the second to last day, I was sitting in the piazza, at my friend's bar when the weather began to turn. That afternoon, the sky went grey and was a little windy, but still incredibly warm. We went out that night on our usual walk to gossip with friends but the energy seemed a little off. Everyone began preparing for a storm that was coming and we returned home to turn in for the night. At around two or three in the morning I was awoken by heavy wind and loud banging sounds which I presumed to be all of the shutters on the houses that lined our street. It sounded so eerie. I'd never heard such a powerful windstorm in my life. I suddenly remembered that I had left two of the beach towels hanging out to dry on the balcony outside my room, and I figured I should grab them in case they flew away. I opened the glass shutters, and the French doors flew open. Huge gusts of warm wind flooded into my room. I stepped out to grab the towels and fumbled with the clothespins that attached to them. I looked around from my third story balcony and had goosebumps. The air was incredibly hot as if I had reached into a dryer machine to pull out the clothes. I could feel sand in the wind that was in the air, and it was the colour of copper or rust. And that's when I saw them. I had this feeling as if something told me to look down at the street below. From my balcony I could see the main piazza, and with each gust of wind that came barreling through the street, I could see ghosts or shadows of past family members walking through the streets. With each howl of the wind I got this strange feeling that they were telling me or reminding me that this is my home. I watched this ordeal play out in slow motion and then suddenly the wind stopped and everything stood still and it began to rain. I awoke from my trance and closed the French doors. Red dust was everywhere and I climbed into bed. One part of me was terrified and scared, and the other part of me felt this crazy warm comforting feeling come over me, and I fell asleep. The next day the town was covered in red dust. The storm itself is a Sirocco, which is where dust from northern Africa is picked up and carried across the sea into Italy and Sicily, and the winds and rain coat everything in red, copper-coloured soot and many Italians have their own superstitions regarding them, and now I have mine. The last time I saw it was just a few months ago at the end of August. I came home from a dinner with friends and saw it for a split second, standing in the shadows by my driveway, floating with its cloak and wasted face. The following morning my partner of eight years left me for someone else, asking me to leave the house that we shared and exiting the life we built all together. As I look back, I really have no idea what this creature or entity is. It evolves and changes and has shown up in dark times in my life and in happy times. I tend to be a fairly rational, level-headed person and know that this is something that I couldn't have manifested on my own. I've tried yelling out to it in English and in Italian, hoping it will go away and yet it still hasn't. Since November, I have begun to have a strange feeling that it is tied or tethered to me somehow, and that it is actually something Sicilian. I've spoken to my mother about this, and she agrees, as there had been rumours many years ago of female family members being witches, though I think they were mostly just ostracised women in the village who had children out of wedlock. Sometimes I think that it is the leftover residual energy of all the female ancestors in my family who had illegitimate children, as if this ghost or spirit is some sort of inherited trauma that was passed off to me and was awoken when my mother discovered she was pregnant with me in Italy and did not know who the father was. I wish I could say there was an ending, that I knew what it was or that I no longer saw the cloaked entity. But in the last 20 years of my life, it has popped in and out through dreams, photos and even in a bar. I still do not know what it wants or even if it wants to hurt me or perhaps protect me. When I think about my experiences and why these things have happened to me, I try to imagine it or describe it as the way it was described in the movie The Shining. As Halloran speaks to Danny, he says, Some places are like people. Some shine. And some don't. I feel like for myself that I just tend to shine a little more than other people. Andrew. What a story. What a story. Firstly, I have to ask the question that everybody is going to be asking at this point. Have you kept any of the pictures? If you have kept any of the pictures, you know we want to see those pictures. Andrew, we want to see those pictures. There's just there's just so much going on in this story first of all we talk all the time about how spiritual gifts are generational they pass from mother to child from mother to child and perhaps you haven't inherited a spiritual sensitivity from your mother as shown you know when you're in the graveyard and you were like do not leave this and became completely hysterical I think it's really interesting that it came to you first of all in dreams and you had that dream for 6 years of this thing this white androgynous wasted face this thing this cloaked woman and then eventually she started to appear in your life but firstly at a distance and then closer and closer That story of you being at the bar and having this brief conversation with this androgynous woman and her being sort of different and not being able to put your finger on it sounds like the story of Jimmy C from years and years ago on the podcast. It was, you know, an early episode where somebody met this strange man in a bar and it's such an unnerving story and it sort of sounds quite similar to what you experienced. But I did wonder, by the time we'd gotten to the end of this story, you said something that I sort of thought too. Which was, what if she's actually a guardian protector spirit? Because even though she's she's obviously petrifying, she seems to be there at times of crisis. Whether it's a crisis that you're directly involved in or a crisis that you become involved in because of... Circumstances you happened to be there, at that tricky time, and maybe because your life was filled with positivity and light, that that was why it wasn't around because it didn't need to be around. It also reminds me of she in Fall of the House of Usher. If you've seen Fall of the House of Usher, you'll understand who I'm talking about. Andrew, if you haven't seen Fall of the House of Usher, I would really recommend that you maybe watch. Like, is it possible that that night in the bar she was actually trying to look after you? Because it does, it does sound like your drink was spiked or roofied, as Americans say, I think. But that's, that is what it sounds like. You know, two drinks in and you're suddenly blackout, vomiting, able to prove you only had two drinks with your receipt. Like, that's wild and incredibly dangerous and terrifying. Like, maybe, maybe she was there to protect you. Maybe she didn't do it maybe somebody else did opportunistically when they saw that you had gone to the toilet but she I don't know put the idea in your head to leave I I don't know although seeing her in the back of my car like in the rearview mirror I would shit myself I would simply expire in the front seat of the car if I glanced into the rearview mirror and she was sitting there that is my idea of a that's my worst nightmare like that's horrendous now, I know very little about Italian or Sicilian folklore. But I wonder, is it worth looking into whether there is some sort of Italian or Sicilian folklore about a female guardian spirit or a female spirit that follows family members and turns up at times of crisis? Because, I, I don't know, I feel like whatever this thing is, it's it, it seems like it's connected to you specifically and... It sounds like it might be something to do with the fact that you're a Sicilian. To do with your Sicilian roots. Like that guy you met on holidays. Like that's what, crazy. How validating though to meet that guy on holidays and be like, oh my god, somebody completely outside of my life has seen this too and experienced this too. Oh, what a story. What a story. Every so often here in the UK, we also experience that sort of copper-coloured, sandy... Storms, I don't know if any of any superstitions here associated with it, but I can totally see why there would be superstitions associated with it in Sicily if you you know there's a storm and you wake up in the morning and red dust is everywhere and of course, storms themselves have a very particular energy, you know maybe it whips things up like oh, I'm so fascinated by this story, and I'm fascinated by the idea of roots and you know your Sicilian roots doing something in your life spiritually is it a sicil is it is it some sort of sicilian folklore i am dying to know thank you so much to andrew for sending in your story and thank you for your patience in my taking a week off to do the changeover of hosting platforms. I originally had said two weeks, but I think we're good to go. So I'm hoping that when I post this everything is okay. If you listen to this episode and it is glitchy or something is wrong or something goes terribly wrong while you're listening, please do drop me an email on real life stories podcast at gmail.com. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Andrew for sending in your story. Remember, Andrew's story came from October the 12th, 2023. And if you'd like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to gmail.com. You can also check out the website Podcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories. where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad free. And on that note, I shall see you next time. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name.